Hello and welcome to a surprising Thursday visit with Bill in our Bible studies on Facebook. We are reading through the Daily Bible edited by Eflagard Smith and I'm excited to be sharing some of that with you. I'm going to try to lighten this up a little bit, but I don't think I think that's about the best I can do. Um, glad to know that uh, you're with us and I know I was planning on being at Harding up through um, Wednesday night, actually this morning, and was going to be driving back today, but we en I ended up coming back a little bit earlier, and so glad to be able to be in the office today and catch up on some things and uh, have, a have another Bible study. It's an exciting time where we are in our Facebook studies because we have, we have survived through the difficult preaching of Jeremiah and others and the very traumatic uh, time of um, exile, uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, the temple, the walls, everything, the, the royal families, many members killed uh, or taken uh, captive, all of them either killed or taken hostage, and uh, so many of the people of Israel taken into Babylon for uh, captivity and exile for 70 years, as Jeremiah correctly prophesied. And uh, now they're returning. The ones that survived, the ones that want to, are beginning to return. Remember Jeremiah. We saw that passage in Jeremiah 29 in a letter that he sent to uh, the Israelites, basically telling them, hey, look, um, God has plans for us, but right now those plans mean uh, losing the war and being sent to exile. And so while you're there, hope that you understand that you're going to be there a while, that God has, uh, is punishing his people, and it's not going to go well for us here. And so while you're in Babylon, pray for the people there. Pray for the city where you live. Pray for its leaders. Um, buy land. Plant a garden. Raise a family, because you're going to be there for a long time. And they were for 70 years. And now, uh, because of the wonderful uh, edict and decree from King Cyrus of Persia, uh, they are allowed to come back. Um, and so remember some of the dates. Uh, King David reigned around 1000 BC. He reigned for 40 years. Uh, but uh, that from around 1010 to 970 BC, King Solomon reigned and after that until 930. And then... When his son, Rehoboam, decided to follow the advice of his young friends instead of his elders, um, he uh, split the nation, and it became two nations, the northern kingdom of Israel with its capital Samaria and the southern kingdom of Judah, still loyal to the line of David and its uh, capital city of Jerusalem, where Solomon's grand temple was. And um, the northern kingdom of Israel just couldn't find anybody very well that was righteous, hardly a righteous king at all, if any. And uh, the southern kingdom of Judah, not much better, but uh, they fared better because of some righteous kings like King Hezekiah and King Josiah. And uh, the, uh, uh, the Assyrians came in the 700s BC, carried off the northern kingdom of Israel into captivity. The southern kingdom was spared, but only for a while. And as we have read in 586 uh, BC, the final destruction of Jerusalem took place. The exile had occurred in three different uh, stages, and uh, it was finished in 586 BC when um, the walls uh, came down and the temple was destroyed 
the king killed and his family and um and and it was uh, a very bad thing jeremiah stayed he was not taken into exile but was taken against his will to egypt and as far as we know died uh there and that's but he said he said uh and prophesied things are going to turn around for us one day the lord won't be angry with us forever this is from the lord because of our sin very clear from all of the prophets of god the false prophets kept saying, oh no, God's on our side. He's going to save us just like he did our, our people in the past. But that was not a message from the Lord. And the Lord was saying, I'm, I'm done with you all. I'm done with your selfishness and your pride and your injustice and your immorality and your idolatry. And um, I'm not even hearing your prayers now. I'm sending the Babylonians. And that was the message. It was a very stark message, but it was even um, a, a, a more difficult and more traumatic and more devastating reality when they finally came through and destroyed the city. But now we're 70 years later, uh, and it is around 539 BC, um, and uh, King Cyrus, the Persian, comes to power. Remember, the Assyrians gave way to the Babylonians. The Babylonians uh, gave way to the Medes and the Persians, the Medo-Persian Empire. Darius the Mede was one of those last kings. King Cyrus uh, the Persian was uh, uh, a very strong king. And in Ezra chapter 1, Ezra records the decree uh, that King Cyrus gave that enabled the Israelites that wanted to to return. Remember, not all of them would want to. Some of them had built a life in Babylon and continued to be faithful to the Lord there, at least I hope so. Um, and so they could be faithful to the Lord in a different country. They would just uh, not be in their homeland. And so uh, a lot of them went back. And this is the decree that made it happen. Ezra, the book of Ezra, Ezra was a priest, and we'll read more about him later. Uh, but Ezra begins his book with these words. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, uh, Ezra sees all of these things happening as a result of the will of God. And that will Jeremiah and others had prophesied about. The Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. And this is it. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. It's a great decree. It sounds like he was a man of faith in the living God, and maybe he was, uh, but more likely, it was something that was very similar to what he said to other nations as well. But uh, for our purpose and for our interest uh, and the Israelites, the people of God, uh, it gave them permission to go back. And it gave them legal permission. They could leave uh, the areas where they had been exiled and return. And that was not an easy trip. It was not, a, it was not something that... Oh, wow, great, we'll just catch a bus or get on a plane and go. We know that that's not the way. And so they were also given uh, a permission to ask uh, the people in Babylon and people along the way and ultimately the people in Palestine uh, for help. 
And those uh, legal records like this decree came in really, really handy down the line as you have been reading, uh, if you're keeping up. Starting to read from the great prophets Haggai and Zechariah, but I'll say more about them in a minute. Uh, King Cyrus comes to power around 539 B.C. and decrees that those who want to go back home to Jerusalem and their homeland can do so. And so through the leadership of men like Zerubbabel, who was of royal blood, he was a descendant also of King David, he had royal blood in him, and Ezra, who was a priest and was very uh, significant in restoring the worship and faithfulness of the people, uh, the preaching of great prophets, as I said, Haggai and Zechariah, later Malachi, uh, the Israelites returned to their homeland during the time of the Medes and the Persians. They rebuild the temple and the walls around Jerusalem. They seek to restore the worship of the Lord, calling upon the people to live in obedience to God's law. So it's a very exciting time, as horrible and devastating as um, the last century had been or so, more, actually a few centuries but especially the last uh, 70 or 80 years when the, um, uh, the Babylonians had devastated Jerusalem and the people of Judah. Now it is a good time. Now it is a time when they have once again found the Lord's favor. And sure enough, God has said, okay, it's been long enough. I'm finished uh, being angry with you. It's time for you to go home. So Zerubbabel, again of royal descent, uh, a descendant of King David, um, in 536 B.C. begins work to rebuild the temple. We've read about that. In Ezra chapter 3, uh, Ezra says uh, this. Um, Ezra chapter 3, beginning at verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, uh, Asaph uh, was one of those who established, helped establish uh, the musical worship of the Lord along with King David. Uh, they did that with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. They had read that in the Psalms, and now they're actually living it. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord had been laid. They were finally rebuilding, finally at home, finally in Jerusalem, and finally beginning to rebuild, and the foundation of the temple had been laid. But, verse 12, of, of Ezra 3, but many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple, Solomon's great, wonderful temple, wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made so much noise, and the sound was heard far away. Had to have been a very emotional scene. So many that were so joyful, so thankful, so grateful that God had blessed his people once again and had returned them to their homeland and now had helped them to be able to lay the foundation for a new temple. The ones, the older ones who remembered, knew that this was not going to be anything like the great temple that Solomon had built. And they were right. And they were right. And they were sorrowful over the destruction. They were sorrowful, I'm sure, over the sinfulness of the people that brought it about. And now their hearts broke. Uh, even though they were overjoyed that this was going on, 
um, they were also saddened by remembering uh, what could have been um, a, a, an especially emotional time and passage in Ezra chapter 3. And then in Ezra chapter 6, we read this beginning in verse 14. Ezra 6 verse 14. Uh, let's see, there it is. So the elders of the Jews continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah, a descendant of Edo. They finished building the temple according to the command of the God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, kings of Persia. The temple was completed on the sixth day of the month Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Then the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the exiles, we should say returned exiles, celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. It was a tremendous moment, and their enemies around them had caused, as you have read, their enemies around them had caused the work on the temple to be disrupted. And for years they had stopped working, and then Haggai and Zechariah come along, and um, just these days reading through their great words, and later on the prophet Malachi as well, as I said, um, they ultimately are able to complete the temple in 516 B.C., which is amazing if that's the correct date because it is exactly 70 years to the year after the time of the final deportation to Babylon of the exiles in 586 B.C. when the temple of Jerusalem was destroyed, just as Jeremiah had forecast. Well, it is an exciting time, and usually, as you know, when there are great things or bad things that are going on in the, within the people of God, they, they write songs about it. <laughs> they write poems about it. And that's what we have in a lot of the psalms that we've been reading, these psalms of uh, return from exile. And so these are psalms that, uh, unlike the psalms of lament and uh, the exilic psalms, such as Psalm 137, which said, uh, our captors wanted us to sing one of the happy peppy songs from Zion, and how can we do that while in a foreign land? Well, now they are returning, and so now the songs have a different tone. For example, in Psalm 118, beginning at verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. Probably an early responsive reading in the time of the Jews. Verse 5 of Psalm 118. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Some of these verses you'll remember hearing in your New Testament as you read as well. Uh, verse 7, the Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. Uh, shouts of joy and victory, in verse 15, resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. It's a time of celebration. Uh, and then you skip down to verse 20 of Psalm 118, verse 20. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. What an exciting statement. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. And then note verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it to this very day. 
let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God. He has made his light shine on us with bows in hand. Join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. We read that in the New Testament as well. And it's applied to Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified for us, who was rejected in the most cruel way. One of the lectures I heard at Harding this week uh, centered on the, the crucifixion. And it was a, it was a, a great reminder of, of what a horrible, horrible and devastating thing uh, that was. It's interesting, one of the things that the speaker said was, when you just say the crucifixion, everyone knows what you're talking about. And yet Jesus was far from being the only person ever crucified. There were, there were probably thousands and thousands of them. Uh, and in the same way, it was, a, it was a, a mode of capital punishment, much like our electric chair or lethal injection or firing squad. That's exactly what the crucifixion was. And the, the Romans and others that practiced that, even the Assyrians uh, and others, would impale their enemies on a pole uh, it was a horrible, horrible thing and what Jesus endured for us. But when you say um, the electric chair, you're not sure who they might be talking about or the firing squad. Um, but when you say the crucifixion, everyone knows you're talking about Jesus Christ. Um, what a great, great uh, uh, message that was. Um, so let's skip up to chapter 125, uh, Psalm 125. And read a couple of more of these psalms uh, from exile, and then we'll close out for today. Psalm 125, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. These are still psalms of return from exile. In fact, these two are psalms of ascent. You see that in your, in your uh, heading. Uh, and what that means is these are some of the psalms that the Israelites would sing. Uh, they began to sing as they were traveling in procession to some of the festivals in Jerusalem. So you can see that these are psalms that are very joyful. Uh, Psalm 125, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. That great song that we sing as the mountains surround Jerusalem comes directly from this verse, Psalm 125, verse 2. Verse 3, the scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, but then, for then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart, but those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be on Israel. How, what, a, what an incredible thought that they would sing that song as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds Israel. His people, as they were rebuilding and uh, uh, refurbishing the the temple into a place of worship and uh, uh, renewing their worship as well under the leadership of men like Ezra, the priest, and others. Uh, and so, as they sang this song, they knew what it was like uh, to have come home to the devastation and now to begin 
to rebuild. An incredible moment. Psalm 126, the very next one. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev in the Southland. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. They couldn't have sung that song when the Babylonians were threatening and ultimately destroyed Jerusalem. They couldn't have sung that song when they were in Babylon, but they could sing it now. They can sing it now because truly the Lord has restored the fortunes of Zion. Uh, and he has done marvelous, wonderful things for his people. It was a great, great time. Well, on uh, next Tuesday, we will return and continue our studies. Uh, I'm looking forward to Tuesday's lesson especially because it will be the story of Esther. I'm really excited. One of my favorite Bible stories. I know you hear me say that all the time, but the story of Esther and Mordecai and their incredible faith is exactly that. And um, Esther makes one of the most incredible statements of faith as she calls on uh, her uh, relative, possibly Uncle Mordecai, to gather people around and to pray for her as she makes a great uh, move of faith to try to save her people and ending with the words, and if I perish, I perish. Uh, such an incredible, faithful woman. I can't wait to share that story with you on Tuesday. And in the meantime, uh, you're going to be reading it um, in the days ahead. I hope and pray that you have a wonderful uh, time and that you continue to feel the presence of the Lord. God bless, and I'll see you again on Tuesday.